just a great reminder. Um, my dad mentioned the same thing. I think he was saying, hey, learn something here. Uh, maybe that's what it was. But it was great. It was, uh, it, I really appreciated that. Uh, a couple of things that um, I want to bring to your attention before we get into our lesson today. Uh, I've already talked about vacation. Uh, next week, Glenn Shady is going to uh, speak uh, with French Christian Mission. We've had the joy already of Earl Hobner, and this is just this is another mission that we support. And Glenn Shady is here uh, from Paris, France, and he's able to speak to us. I'll tell you, every time he speaks, and I mean this, every time I talk to him or I read some of the numbers and, and, and just the various plans that they have, my eyes are open to things that I didn't know existed. Uh, I didn't even know it was a reality, uh, especially based upon, uh, you know, what he tells us with his mission and why it's in France. It really is eye-opening, and so I would encourage you to be here for that. Following week, Cody is going to be teaching and preaching, um, and I would also encourage you to be here for that. There he is. He's upstairs. Now, I usually do not compliment Cody to his face. Um, I wouldn't do dream of such a thing. However, uh, I did remark the other day, and I think it's true, uh, his biblical knowledge is, uh, is, is, is great. Uh, he, he teaches, and he teaches me. Uh, some, he even teaches me uh, with, with some of the stuff that he, he points out and points that he brings forward. And so I would encourage you to be here for that. I also want us to remember, always to keep in mind, uh, our generosity to this church, that's what's on the uh, screen behind me. Uh, incredible generosity with time, treasure, and talent, particularly this is treasure. Uh, this church is always like that. It's just amazing. Um, and I, I just really appreciate that, everything that people are doing and everything that people are giving. Final thing is our new Bible study, uh, our new Sunday school class we're going to have starting on the second Sunday of September. Uh, I am, with others, constructing the uh, curriculum for this, and every time I get done, I look at it, and, and the different parts and different, uh, different uh, you know, resources that we're able to use, and I think, man, I, I would love to sit through this class. I would love to be taught in this class uh, some of what I call the fundamental understandings of Scripture and the Christian life, and so that starts the second Sunday in September. I, I strongly encourage you to sit through that and be a part of that. Luke's going to be teaching, Brian's going to be teaching, Randy's going to be teaching, um, all kinds of neat stuff. And so please mark that on your calendar. Um, oh, third thing, or fourth thing, wherever we're at. Uh, Cody's upstairs running stuff, and uh, he always needs help up there, not because he doesn't do it well, uh, but because he has a class to teach as well. And so I tell you, if I wasn't preaching, I would be teaching a Sunday school class, I'd be in the nursery or I'd be up there, one of those three things. Those are just three things I like most. Uh, and so I encourage you, if you're looking for a place to serve, uh, you can help serve upstairs with uh, Cody and the rest of the guys. Walk through it. If you've never done it before, it's simple. It's easy. There's nothing to it. And we'll walk you through the whole thing. Please, please keep that in mind. Um, I am in trouble. Well, I'm not in trouble yet. I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, I see this down the road. And you, you guys probably experienced this in your life at some point, too. Uh, the other day, actually it was last Sunday, we were sitting at lunch, and I was talking to Sam, Ash and I were talking to Sam, and he was reciting some of the, uh, listing the books in the New Testament. 
And he got to First Thessalonians and kind of gave up at that point because he couldn't say Thessalonians, uh, which was fine. And I said, well, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm really proud of you. That's, that's, that's a wonderful thing to learn and know. And that's what he's learning. He's learning that here. He learns that in school. I mean, that's just a testament to these teachers back here. And then I asked him. I said, well, tell me, buddy. I said, how many books are in the Bible? If, if we're counting letters as books, how many books are in the Bible? And he's eating lunch, and he's eating. He doesn't even look up at me. He says, all of them, Dad. Your kids are not supposed to outsmart you. That's just the way that they're not supposed to be smarter than you are or wittier than you are. And I'm really troubled by this because that answer is something that I would give or my dad would give. And uh, so this is, this, is, this is troubling. This is a problem. And I know it's going to be that way as he grows up and gets a little bit older. All of them. All of them. And all of them are there. All the ones that are supposed to be there. All the ones that give us this incredible treasure allows us to see uh, even into, gaze into the mind of God, but gaze into our own lives and have a correct assessment of who we are and what we are, where we're going, what we're doing, how we spend our time in this thing called life, and how it helps us to bear fruit in our lives. Let's pray. Again, Father, we thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you that we have the opportunity to feast upon your word every day, but particularly this morning. Father, we ask that you open our hearts, our minds, that you will challenge us, that you will challenge us today to listen to your words and apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to come from today. If you've got your swords with you, Mark chapter 4, and this is sort of part 2 of last week's message, talking about the Word of God. But it's also something fun that I like to do once a year, and just kind of think about some of the things that Sam has said over the past year. And, and, and a, a few weeks ago, and maybe I've already shared this with you, a few weeks ago, Sam asked a question that stopped me dead in my tracks. And I don't think he realized in the moment how profound this question was, uh, but immediately, you know, this, this message just kind of flooded into my head when he asked the question. We're leaving mom and dad's house, and they've got the, uh, not, not a old Bible, but the old Bible, right? Every family's got this. Every house got the old Bible. You know, it takes two men and a boy. To, it could serve as the coffee table, right? The old Bible sitting there, and this one's ancient. This one, I mean, just, it just I don't know how old it is. Uh, and it's huge, you know, this Bible. And we're walking out, and Sam looks at it all torn and tattered and whatnot. And he asks this profound question, and frankly, kind of a, kind of a scary question. He looks at it, and he asks, does that thing still work? Does that thing still work? That is the time in which we live. That thing doesn't work anymore. Right? It's what we hear. It's what we say. We might even believe it. There are things, there's places, there's parts where that thing just doesn't work anymore. That's the question. Does this thing still work? Well, the answer is yes, 
Even though we may not always see it, we may not fully understand it, we may not comprehend how great this thing works, but it does. The Word of God still works. Often, we simply don't allow it to work in our lives. And sometimes, we just refuse to learn how to use this thing that still works. I still remember... Buddy of mine, I don't know, it was 10 or 15 years ago. We were in his bar and he was building a table. And he's got like 15 tools out to do some of these projects. And he's also got out of Speed Square. You guys are carpenters, you know Speed Squares. And I said, man, you got all 15 of these tools sitting right here on this thing. You don't have to drag out a million different things. You can do this, you can do that, find your angles, draw your lines, score your lines, you, you know, all this, whatever. It's got 15 tools right here in this thing. I said, you've, you've just never taken the time to use it. Let me walk you through some of these things. He says, wow. He says, I just thought it was there to draw lines. I said, man, there's, there's a ton of stuff that you can use this thing for. Sometimes we just don't allow ourselves to dive into the depth and the treasure and then apply that to our lives. It still works. James 1.22. We're in Mark 4, but this will be on your screen. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You ever, you ever wonder if God's speaking to you? See, that's the problem. Sometimes we'll hear the word and then we'll wait. We'll want God to speak to us. Or we'll pray and we want God to speak to us. We think He's going to whisper to us. We think He's going to have some miraculous sign in front of us. You want to hear God speak to you? Because God's going to speak to you right now. You ready for this? I'm going to do this again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Those are the words of God. You want to hear God speak to you, read, listen to His words. He's not a genie touching you with a a magic wand. The Word of God is God speaking to you. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We would think that person's a little off, wouldn't we? A little weird, kind of a little crazy maybe. And this is what James says about the Word of God. Those who read it, those who hear it, even those who understand it and yet do not apply it, are a little weird, a little off. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues into it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What's blessed mean? Blessed means fortunate. That's what that word means, blessed. They will be fortunate in what they do. I want to be fortunate in the things that I do. And the directions I go. Jesus gives us a description, church, of four types of people who have access to the Word. The very Word that's on your screen. The very Word that's sitting right here. The eternal Word of God. Four people that have access to the Word. And it works for one type of person. One type of person. Mark 4, starting in verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. That's what Jesus does. He teaches a lot. And He teaches by the lake a lot. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, bunch of people gathered around Jesus, thousands of people gathering around Jesus. It was so large that he got into a boat, sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So he was standing in the boat or sitting in the boat teaching to people on the shore because there were so many people. There's a lot of people who wanted to hear Jesus. A lot of people wanted to hear Jesus. A lot of people want to hear the word. A lot of people want to sing songs. A lot of people want to go to church on Sunday morning. A lot of people there want to hear Jesus. 
But hearing Jesus is not the same thing as following Jesus. There weren't a whole lot of people that wanted to follow Jesus. You see, that's the difference between being a fan of Christ and a follower of Christ. That's the difference between being a fan of the Word of God and being a follower of the Word of God. I can name a thousand fans of the Word of God. I can name a bunch. I can name fans of the Word of God who don't even believe in Jesus. There's a big difference between being a fan and a follower of the Word of God. Many people listened while he was giving them bread. Physical bread, spiritual bread. We've heard the teaching of the five, or feeding of the 5,000. But when he turned it up and said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, that was way too much for some people to handle. You see, they were interested in listening to Jesus when it was convenient for them, but they were not interested when he challenged them. The Bible challenges us. The Word challenges us. Certainly, if we're going to obey the Word of God, that's what James says. He says, don't hear it and, 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 and fail to obey it. That's just deception. By the way, which is worse than ignorance? Ignorance is just simply not knowing, not reading. Deception, deceiving ourselves. It is quite a challenge. I like practicing baseball with Sam. I like playing baseball with Sam. Problem is, Sam loves baseball but doesn't like playing the actual game, you know. He likes to go out through this, through this, throw it up on the roof, see if he can, you know, he, he run the bases backwards. I mean, he wants, it ends up into a wrestling match somewhere around the pitcher's mound, me and him just having fun out there. You know, and once we get down to the fundamentals, all right, Sam, let's, let's actually do some work here, you know, let's practice, let's learn, let's do this. All of a sudden, he just doesn't want to play as much anymore. You know, sometimes he just wants to do what he wants to do, but not actually play the game. Those are fans of Jesus. Those are fans of the Word. I don't actually want to play the game, but I'll be there and play around. By the way, just as an aside, earlier this year, I taught or was teaching Sam how to slide. Don't do that, all right? Once you get to a certain age, quit doing that. I have not recovered. I'm still in pain. I did it one time. I said, Sam, let me show you, buddy. Pay attention because this is going to be important. Limped off the field, said, we got to go home. Come on, let's go home. Let's go home. Don't do stuff like that. I don't know. You can if you want to. Verse 2, he taught them with many things by parables, and in his teaching said... Many things. He taught them many things in parables, many lessons, many parables, many sayings as he's in the boat teaching this crowd. Yet the following story is the one out of all of them that the Spirit told Mark to write down. This must be important. This story we're about to see, this parable we're about to read. Because even Mark, at the beginning and at the end of his account here, says that Jesus taught many lessons and many parables in that setting that I didn't write down. But this one... I needed to write down this parable that we're going to look at. This must be important. Perhaps many of those parables from this moment Jesus retold and are listed elsewhere. But here now in this setting, God wanted this one told out of all of them. We're going to find out here in a minute why it's so important. Mark chapter 4, 3 through 8. Listen, said Jesus, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, plants were scorched and they withered because there was no root. 
other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So that's the parable. In fact, it's probably a parable you've heard before. And Jesus is going to explain it here in a minute. But we are capable of reading and knowing and understanding and applying the things that Jesus teaches, even in parables. We have been given the opportunity and the tools. That's what Jesus says at the very end of this parable, Mark 4, verse 9. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Do yourself a favor, says Jesus. Pay attention to the things I'm teaching. Apply it to your life. Practice it. Know it. Understand it. And by the way, this little line right here is a very, very important line that we're going to discover here in just one minute. Then one of the things we addressed last week, Mark 4, 10 through 12, when he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked about the parable. We, we looked at some of this last week. He told them, this should remind you of last week, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is in parable so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they'd turn and I would forgive them. The disciples believe in Jesus and were specifically called by him to receive this teaching. Others were not, nor did all believe in Jesus. And so Jesus tells them, he's telling his disciples, look, they have to seek. This is why I'm writing parables. This is why I'm speaking in parables, teaching in parables, because they have to seek. They have to learn. They have to know. They have to ask. They have to desire this in order to understand. It's through the search, it's through the reading, it's through the understanding of Scripture that it becomes a part of us. If someone simply just gives me the answer, then I walk away eventually, use it when I can, but generally forget about it. It doesn't become a part of who I am, what I am. It's through the search, through the journey, there is incredible growth in our lives. That's why Jesus teaches in parables. That's why many of these lessons throughout Scripture are done in poetic form or narrative form or parable form. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door is going to be opened. Those are the words of Jesus. He's not lying to you. If you want to know, you'll know. If you want to seek, you'll seek and you'll understand. But if we don't seek, if we don't knock, we will never understand these mysteries, this ability to let the Word become a part of us. It's hard to teach something sometimes that you find very natural, but it has to be a part of our regular life, just a simple thing. I'm trying to teach Sam how to shift on his four-wheeler. Boy, that's a whole different animal right there. He didn't have to shift on the little tiny one. Now he's got a bigger one. Now we got to learn how to shift. And I'm telling you, it's hard for me to teach him how to do that because I get on it and I, I, it's almost like I have to tell him, you're thinking about it too much. It's just got to be a natural feel. You know, it's a feel, it's a sound, and you, you can go through them. But he's just, he, it, it's hard to describe it because it's not a part of him. It's not a natural thing for him to do at this point. The more we understand, the more we dive into Scripture, the more we study it and apply it in our lives, church, I'm telling you, the more natural it becomes in our life. It starts to consume us. It starts to define us. 
We don't have to stop in every moment and think about what's going to happen or think about what we're doing or think about where it comes from Scripture. It becomes to be built inside of us to identify us. That's what happens with everything else and especially understanding Scripture. Mark 4, 13, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? So they're asking, explain this parable to us, Jesus. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then are you going to understand any parable? Now we know why Mark wrote this down. Now we know why this is so important. This parable that Jesus told about the sower of the seed. Jesus says, listen to to his words. If you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them. Not like you think you can, or not like you ought to understand them. If you don't understand this one parable about who I am, who you are, who the word, what the Word of God is, and what the kingdom of God is, Jesus tells His disciples, you're not going to understand any of it. This is a pretty important parable. This is a pretty serious lesson. There are many lessons and parables Jesus teaches about in the kingdom of God. We see this throughout the Bible and even, even in the epistles. And here... We talk about the significance of receiving the Word in our lives. Again, if we don't understand this, we don't understand any of it. Verse 14, the farmer sows the Word. The farmer sows the Word. He's explaining. The farmer is God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all God. Not lesser God. Not a part of God, holy and completely God. God the Holy Spirit living, moving, acting, working in this world through His Word in our minds and in our hearts, giving us the chance, opportunity to hear and to listen, to be blessed by His words. The farmer is God the Holy Spirit, and He broadcasts the Word to the world. He has broadcast the Word at least to your world right now. It's His, this Word. When we talk about God the Holy Spirit, He owns this. And we look at John 1, 1, it is Him, the Word of God that we have. And it's extremely powerful, it's extremely useful. This is why Paul refers to the Bible as the sword of who? The sword of the Spirit. Jesus is saying the Spirit is sowing the Word to you. He's the farmer giving you the Word. Mark four fifteen. some people are like seed along the path where the Word is sown. The Word of God, the very words we have in front of us. Some people are like the seed along the path where the Word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the Word that was sown in them. What's another way of saying this? I don't know, and I don't want to know. That person. I don't know, and I don't want to know. I'm just putting in my time. I really don't care. I've heard the Word. I've heard of the Word. I've got the Bible sitting on the coffee table, right? Or I've been to the church listening to the sermon. But I simply don't care. That's this type of person. We're not in the church yet, by the way. We're not in the church. If I don't know and I don't want to know or I simply don't care, do not, what's the James? deceive yourself. I'm not talking about the church. 
I'm talking about people outside of the church, though we may be sitting in its walls. Don't deceive yourselves. And I don't know and I don't care is an easy target for Satan. He doesn't even have to work at this one, right? Just a few whispers. Just a couple of whispers of, hey, you're fine. You're, you're, you're fine. It's, come on, man. It's really not that big of a deal. I mean, just, just, just that whisper right there. It's not really that important. A couple of whispers and he's got you. It's also so much easier for him to get those you teach, right? Our kids, grandkids, loved ones in our homes. Is the word used in your home? Is it talked about? Are we so foolish that we want our kids to follow the word of God and we don't talk about it in our home? That's nuts. That's nuts. Does it hold a prominent place in your thoughts, your conversations, your direction in your life? Is it talked about? I mean, every child everywhere at some point has thought, well, if mom and dad don't care, why should I? It makes sense, right? They're the ones in charge. They're the ones who are wise in the child's eyes. Well, mom and dad don't care. I don't care. Why should I? I don't have to. Because I rely upon them for direction and wisdom and safety. Well, well, people around me don't care. If my teacher doesn't care, if my my parents don't care, whatever, I don't care. I don't have to care. We become prisoners of sin, death. We become prisoners of Satan, even without putting up a fight. I don't know. I don't care. I don't want to know. I'm certainly not going to try to apply it to my life, regardless of where I'm sitting on Sunday morning. Now, we go inside the church. Let's move inside the church. 16 through 17. Others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Why is that? Look, when trouble or persecution, some time of hardship or struggle comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And time after time after time after time, sadly, these people relegated to nothing more than a statistic. Ah, they fell away. I don't know where they went. Don't know who they are. Don't know where they are. I don't even know the condition of their life at this point. They fell away. This is an enthusiastic, emotional acceptance of Jesus, but only superficial. It is only skin deep because the cost is not counted. What is the cost? We don't talk about this enough. What's the cost of following Jesus? Your life. Your life. Jesus gave His. You give over yours. A part of your life? The good parts, bad parts? I don't know. Your life. That's the cost of following Jesus. So if you don't want to pay that cost, don't follow Jesus. If that's what you want to do, though, if you do want to pay that cost, if you do want to give your life to Jesus so that Jesus saves it eternally, then know what you're getting into. Yes, I'll accept eternal life, we say. Now, be in the Word, submit, obey, and put into practice. Live out what you claim. 
And the first bump in the road or the first bit of inconvenience derails us. Sometimes, yes, it is danger or trouble. Other times, particularly lately, it is merely inconvenience enough for this plant to wither. Pride, I don't want to do it. They have no belt of truth. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember that story a few weeks ago? If you don't bow down to this golden statue, we will kill you. We're not bowing down. I guess we're going to the furnace then. That's the belt of truth, right? The opposite of hypocrisy. They have no belt of truth. Those who give themselves away or give, give up due to persecution, struggle, hardship, they will not allow the Word to guide their lives, to be dedicated to the Holy Scriptures. Matthew 7, 24-27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's very similar to what James says, doesn't he? Don't just hear the words, do what it says. Where do we find the words of Jesus in the Word? The rain came down. These are the troubles. These are the struggles. These are the trials. Those who hear the words of mine and put them into practice, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, think about that. He's not talking about those who have not heard these words. (laughs) He's talking about two people who have heard the words, who have read the Bible. Those who hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice. Is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. That's what he's talking about here, the struggle, the trial. And it fell with a great crash. We've given up. We must, when it comes to applying the Word of God, cultivate a root, a firm foundation by putting into practice the Word of God. I don't want Sam to get five, ten years down the road and still have to think about shifting every time he wants to ride something. I mean, you know what it is, getting in the car, you go through the gears, right? I mean, once you have to start thinking about it, it's a problem. I want it to become a part of who he is, what he is. Actually, I don't even know if he's ever going to learn. I'm going to find something for him. I learned on the tractor, right? Then you, then you move the truck. It's got to become a part of what you are and who you are. That's what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't want your words. Jesus doesn't want your emotions. He doesn't want your job. He doesn't want your title, your position, your accomplishments. He doesn't want any of that. He wants you, all of you, all of you. The good, the bad, the ugly, the heart, the hands, and the head. John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, look, guys, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So, that's the second type of person. Now the third type of person. Mark 4, 18 through 19. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful. What's Jesus doing here? he's, He's going to the other end of the spectrum. This isn't the bad life that he's describing here, or the dangerous life, or the troubled life that we just saw. This is the opposite. These are not the down and outs. These are the movers and shakers. This is what we might call the good life. He's describing that person. My kingdom is being built. I don't have time for God's, much less have time to listen to what he has to say. And why? 
Because if I read the Word and try to understand it, I will be forced to confront a choice. My kingdom or His. So I'm just going to leave it alone. Leave it alone. I'm not sure which of these two scenarios are more destructive or quicker to ignore the power of the Word, but both can be dangerous. Agur understood this, understood the danger in Proverbs 30. Two things I ask of you, O Lord, don't refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so we see the danger. By the way, not the certainty. At no point is Jesus saying, if you accomplish much, you're going to reject the word. (laughs) At no point is Jesus saying, if you go through, through struggles and trials in your life, you're going to reject the word of God. He's not saying that. He's saying these are the types of people, these are the types of scenarios that you often see from those who fall away. It's just too hard or life's just too good. (laughs) And I don't have time and I don't have room for the Word because my kingdom is being built. These last two scenarios are perhaps the most tragic, even more tragic than the first, even more tragic than the one who simply doesn't care about the Word. You know, we were watching a movie the other day, Sam and I, actually all three of us, um, it was Captain America, right? Captain America. Everybody knows Captain America, right? Anyway, he, he just, he's, he, he put this special, you know, formula into him, and he transforms from a little scrawny kid to, you know, Captain America, right? Big, you know, strong. And we're watching this scene play out on the movie. And, and actually, I got a witness for this. Um, you know, he shows up, you know, he leaves the, this, 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 wherever they did it, you know. Uh, he, they open up this, this box that he's in, and we see him. He's big, he's strong, he's muscle-bound, you know, he's in shape, good-looking dude. And Sam's watching it, and he says, geez, Dad. He said, did they do that to you? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right, son. No, wasn't that. It's was all natural. Everything you see here. You know, and so I was, I was strutting for about 24 hours. If you'd have talked to me right about then, you'd have seen a whole different person. But, yep, yep, that's right. About 24 hours later, we're leaving for school, and I'm walking out. Maybe I've told you this story. We're walking out, we're walking down the porch, and we get to the end of the porch, and Sam sees something on the ground. I don't know, a bug or a rock or something that he wants to look at. And I'm walking beside him, and he comes up to it, and he says, hold on, Dad, stop. And he's got his hand on my stomach. And without even looking at me, he squeezes it like this. <laughs> and he looks up, and he says, Dad, what happened? Greatest 23 hours and 59 minutes of my life. (laughs) What happened? It's a tragic thing. But does the question ever enter your mind? About others? About yourself? Coming to know and hear the word of God. Coming to be a part of the church. And then struggles and trials. 
Or maybe your own kingdom gets in the way. Do you ever think about this? Because I do. When I think about other people, sometimes when I think about myself, man, what happened? What happened? You knew. You believed. You had the opportunity. You were involved. It was a part of you. What happened? You know, we lost the place. We give up on the word. Our minds, our hearts, our priorities, our convictions begin to crumble. Here's a good part, though. And it's that small line that Jesus said in verse 9 of this chapter. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. If you're hearing this parable, if you're reading this parable, if you're understanding it, church, consider this if you want day one. Regardless of yesterday, it's not too late. And make the Bible a part of your life. Where do you start? You start by opening, you start by one verse. (laughs) That's where you start. To make it a part of your life. Why would Jesus teach them this if they were beyond all hope? Why would he teach us if we were beyond all hope? Look, I know know that the Bible being a regular, everyday, guiding your life, knowing, understanding, just building it into your heart may be a, a, a big ship with a small rudder, but it does make the turn. It does make the turn. So we went from outside the church to inside the church walls, now to the church itself, Mark 4.20. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. It produces results. It produces a crop. But what crop? See, that's what I'm wondering. What crop is he talking about? He doesn't get into specifics there. What crop are you talking about? Well, the word, this sword, belongs to the Spirit. The Spirit is the sower. The Spirit is the farmer. But more specifically, what's Jesus talking about? The Spirit is a fruit farmer. He's a fruit farmer. So what's this return? Galatians 5, 22 through 25, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is a transformation of what you once were to what we must become. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. How do we keep in step with the Spirit of God? By applying the very word that is His, that He gave to us, by understanding it, and making it become part of our lives. We get fixated sometimes on the bad. We get fixated on the problems. We get fixated on the exceptions rather than the rule, right? I mean, you probably know this. You've probably heard of people read the Bible, understand the Bible, teach the Bible, and still mess up, screw up, and have all kinds of problems in their lives. You've probably heard that, right? Even do bad things and become bad people. And man, we get fixated on the exception. The rule. The rule is the Spirit lives in you. The Spirit gave you the Word. 
that the Spirit wants you to read, to know, to understand, to apply, to be transformed from what you once were to what you were supposed to become in the beginning. The way we were originally created. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. Don't take this lightly. Don't take this lightly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you've granted us through your word, that we get to see you, that we get to know you, that we get to have our lives changed. Father, we can literally wake up tomorrow and be a different person than we are today. Help us to believe it. Help us to, 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 to understand. Open our eyes to the wisdom and the change and the peace that comes through your word from the perspective of who we are now, who we will become, who we can be. We thank you, Father, that you've granted us this incredible gift. Help us to treasure it. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. Seriously, though, if the Bible, regular understanding, study of the Bible is not a part of your life, there's no reason not to make today, day one. You, you don't even have to worry about the other stuff. Yesterday and the days before, make today, day one. Even if you don't know where to start, talk to me. I'll, give you, I'll lay out exactly where I would start and why I would start there. 
Okay, make today day one. Feast upon that word. Let it change you. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the gift of coming together like this as a body to worship, to learn, to know. Father, we ask, we ask for a heart of humility when we read your instruction, when we read your command, when we read the challenges that you have for us to be changed, to be transformed by this powerful word in Jesus' name.